Welcome to the Medical Sales Certification Podcast. This is Colby Wood. And on this podcast, we take a deep dive into medical sales and in particular, orthopedic medical sales, where I do my best to share with you everything that I have learned up to this point and document really the day-to-day sales calls and meetings and interactions I'm having so that you can learn from my experiences and hopefully help you become more successful in your career as well. So without any further ado, please enjoy today's podcast. What's up, everybody? This is Colby Wood with the Medical Sales Certification Podcast, and welcome to this episode. And on this, uh, this episode, what I wanted to talk about is how do you get hired in medical sales when you are overqualified for the position? You know, one of the, uh, one of the things that I feel like I have neglected to talk about is what about people that want to get hired who are overqualified for sales? or overqualified to get into the industry. There's a lot of the a lot of the focus of the podcasts that I've done thus far, at least when I've been talking about actually getting hired, has been people that don't have the experience, don't have a medical background. How do you sell yourself? You know, but there, there's a flip side of that that's a that's maybe just as big of a problem. And that's for the people who are potentially overqualified for a sales role, for an entry level sales role. And I had a phone conversation with a guy, he had um, he signed up for, for my free online program and then had reached out to me. Um, so shout out to, to, uh, Ricardo. Um, he and I jumped on the phone this morning and he's got a background in medicine. Uh, he also has a background in sales. And one of the issues that he, that he is running into is, you know, he's potentially overqualified. He doesn't fit the mold of what these medical device companies are looking for in associate sales reps, because most of the time, if you are coming from outside the industry in medicine or in medical sales, most of the time you're not going to get a territory right off the bat. You've got to have some relevant experience or luck and timing, and you're just a, you know, you interview really well and you convince somebody to give their part of their business over to you to run, and you don't have any industry experience. You know that just it doesn't happen very often, and so then you're in kind of a catch twenty two or or at least a a difficult position where you may have relevant knowledge or experience, but you might be overqualified. You might be, you know, early 30s and you've got, you know, six years of sales experience and you've got a medical background. But then they're going to look at that and say, well, why would you want to be an associate sales rep? Why would you want to go backward? Why would I hire you over somebody else who I can pay, you know, less money to? You know, all of those things come to mind when you're trying to get hired and especially if you're overqualified. There's so many questions that come to mind as to, well, why are you trying to get into medical sales now? Why did you pursue this path and now you're not? You know, and you're competing against people that are, that are out of the gate saying, no, I want to be in medical sales. This is what I want to do for my career. And I'm, you know, a 21, 22, 23-year-old, you know, excited, willing to, you know, work 80 hours a week, no, no questions asked to make this happen. And so that's what you're going to be out-competed for, or that's what you are getting out-competed for. So um, that hopefully lays the framework of how I think about it and, um, and hopefully at least touches on for you, if, if you're in this camp, touches on kind of one or multiple of the pain points that you are experiencing when you're trying to get into medical sales and you're overqualified. And, uh, you know, I think the, there's a number of, 
things that I want to touch on in this episode that I think are going to be relevant and important. And so, um, you know, if, if you'll kind of give me a little bit of room to, to work some of these out, I think it's going to be beneficial for you in the long run. Um, I think at a fundamental level, most people, at least that I've spoken with, people that I've spoken on the phone or people that I've interacted with in email, you're not actually spending the time figuring out how you're going to answer the difficult questions that are out there. I think it's, it's really easy. You know, you, I always, I revert back to sports just because that's what I was born up or born up. It's not a word born up. Uh, that's what I grew up doing and playing, played sports a lot. And so that it, it makes sense in my mind when I use analogies and hopefully it makes sense to you as well. If you, if you guys played sports, but the thing about sports is let's say you're a three, my brother, my brother was a three point shooter. My brother actually, uh, he was a killer three point shooter. He set the, uh, state record for three pointers made in the state championship game. Um, and this was when I was a junior and he was a senior. He set the record. I think it was seven or eight threes. I don't remember one of those two. It may or may not still stand, but he did set the record. He was a killer from three point line, right? He didn't have any game inside the three point line. And it's still a joke to this day that he, <laughs> he could have a wide open break to, for a layup and he would stop and pop from three point line. Like he did, he did not go inside the uh, three point arc. You know, he would just camp out there and just make it rain, but he didn't have an inside game. He didn't have a post game. He didn't, you know, he didn't like to bang inside and he would tell you that too. So that's not me just picking on him. That's, that's the reality. And here's the, here's the problem. And what I think a lot of people run into is they're only thinking about their strengths if you are only practicing your strengths, let's say just as an example, you're a good three-point shooter. You're going to go in the gym and you're going to bang out and you're going to put up a thousand three-pointers. Okay, cool. You are very one-dimensional on a basketball court. That means that you're going to be a liability if they ever run into a situation where they need you to be in the post or they need you to be a slasher or anything of the sort outside of being a, you know, a literal set-up three-point shooter you're going to struggle. So at some level, you have to practice what you're not good at, or you have to at least practice to get better and work on improving in the areas where you're not as strong. And so if you think about in medical sales, why would you be a good candidate for a medical sales role? Well, I've got a lot of experience. Well, I've got a lot of sales experience. Okay. What have you been selling? Well, I've been selling, you know, I don't know, cars. I've been selling cars. You know, uh, if I remember correctly, the guy that was talking on the phone this morning, he's been in car sales. Okay, cool. The upside of that is that you can walk into an interview for a med sales role and say that I've got sales experience. I know what I'm talking about. I, I understand how to prospect and cold call. I understand how to follow up with the customer. Cool. What are the downsides? See, I don't, I actually don't think, and, and you'll have to give me a little bit of room on this podcast because I'm inferring a number of things. I've had conversations with people that are overqualified who have asked, you know, how do I, how do I make this happen? I want to get in medical sales, but you know, I'm, for whatever reason, I can't get in the, get my foot in the door. So you're going to have to give me a little bit of room to work with here in the fact that I haven't done this myself. I haven't been trying to get into medical sales as an overqualified person. I'm just giving you my take on it and what I think you should be thinking about. And I think it's a educated, well thought out take. And I think it's merit is relatively high, but take it for what it's worth. Just, you know, grant me that. Here's the thing. 
what I think is happening is it's very easy for people to only focus on their strengths. But your weaknesses are going to be shown through in the interview process. Let me give you an example of me recently that hopefully will paint the picture for you. Okay. Um, I took, I just started recently with a startup med device company and I was interviewing with, uh, with a couple of guys. So I met with a guy, um, he and I exchanged messages on LinkedIn. Then he and I got on the phone. Then he and I met in person. And then I had a phone interview with his boss. Now up to that point, up to the, up to the point where I had the phone interview with his boss, everything had gone really well. You know, the, the phone conversation I had with them, the in-person conversation that we had, everything was positive. Like this guy, this guy was borderline telling me in, in the interview with him that he was going to hire me regardless. And I hadn't even interviewed with his boss yet. Okay, cool. And you know, being totally candid with you, I think I'm, I think I'm pretty good at this job. And I think I, I think I do a good job of talking the talk, but also walking the walk. But I had an, a phone interview with his boss and this was like an hour long phone call. And mind you, just for some context, this is a startup company. Okay. I'm early stage with this company. And so it's important that they get the hiring right. And that, you know, so just understand that that's the, that's the situation that I'm going into. It's not a, it's not a well-established company where, you know, missing on somebody missing on a hire isn't going to be that problematic. You know, when, when you miss early stage with a company that, you know, that could be a real problem. And so that may not be your situation, but I'm, I'm giving you this example because I had a, about an hour long phone call with this guy, this boss of, you know, my boss's boss essentially. And the phone call was very good. It was the toughest phone interview I've actually ever had. I mean, he asked me real tough questions, like very tough questions. And I think a couple of them I want to walk through um, with you because I, I think they'll be illustrative. But the end of the phone call was the big thing that I think can help, hopefully help you if you're somebody that feels like they're overqualified uh, for a med sales role, but you still want to get in at the ground level or you want to you want to get your foot in the door. Some of the questions that he asked me are, hey, why would you want to go beat your head against a wall with a startup med device company where nobody knows you, nobody knows your brand, nobody knows your product. Why would you want to do that? Why wouldn't you just want to go work for one of the well-established companies that have business coming through the doors already and you're not going to have to work your ass off trying to get it? How do you answer that question? How do I answer that question? You know, and I'll I'll save kind of those answers for a later podcast because um, I think it I think it would take us too far off track here. But those types of questions are what I was getting after I've been in the industry for six and a half, seven years. You know, he's asking me, he's like, well, you've never sold products for a startup company. You've never taken a startup company and converted business. How do I have any confidence in you that you would be the person for the job? Those are more or less verbatim the types of questions I was getting in this interview process. And the reason that I share those with you is because those are tough ass questions and you've got to have good answers for them. And the good, the people that are good at hiring are the people that are able to cut back, like peel back the layers of the onion and get down to what this person really knows, what, what this person, how they tick at a very fundamental level. And they're going to ask you tough ass questions like that. They're not going to say, what are your three strengths? 
What are your three weaknesses? You know, like those are the BS questions that you need to practice. You need to have an answer for them because you might get them. But the better questions that you need to be practicing are, why would we hire you when we could hire somebody right out of school, right out of school, right out of college, who will work for less money and will work 80 hours a week? Have you ever practiced answering that question? That is the question that you're going to be asked. You're going to be asked, why did you stop pursuing a medical doctorate degree? Why are you, why did you pursue being a doctor? And now you say you want to be a sales rep. Why do why are you doing that? That doesn't make any sense to me. Or, you know, why are you a chiropractor that wants to get into medical sales? That, that formula doesn't make sense to me. Why are you doing that? Why did you stop mid-school, cut out, and now you say you're going to be the hardest worker to come work for a med device company? <laughs> like, like, I don't know, insert whatever situation that you're in. If you're, if you're one of the people that's technically overqualified, put your situation in the mind of the person that's hiring you and ask yourself the most difficult questions that you could possibly be asked because those are what's going to separate you from getting the job and not getting the job when you're in the interview process. That's been my experience. I think that's right. That's how I would focus it if I were in your shoes. Because they're going to want to know, like, you were, you're way overqualified. Or you've got six years of sales experience. How much money are you making right now? Or you're making $150,000. Why would you want to take a $100,000 pay cut to go start in medical sales as an associate rep? Because you're not going to get a territory right away. How are you going to answer that question? And see, I, I bring it back to my brother shooting threes. Like, if you're just shooting threes and you're thinking that, like, you're you're going to kill this interview because I've got sales experience. You know, when they say, Hey, why would I hire you? You're going to say, I've got sales experience. I've, I've sold products before. I was the top producer selling cars, or I was the top producer selling this product or that product, or I've done this, or I've done that. Okay, cool. So you've answered the softball question. What about the other ones? What about the more difficult ones? What about the ones that say, look, I don't, what about somebody interviewing you saying, I don't think your sales experience translates to what we do. So then why would I hire you? How are you going to answer that question? Right? Like you have to practice figuring out what your answers are going to be for the toughest questions that you could ever field. You know, in, in, in this job that I, uh, or in this interview process that I was just in, in this interview, this phone interview that I had with my boss's boss, he was a freaking stickler. He asked me tough ass questions. Why would you want to do this? It doesn't make sense to me why you would go from making this much money to taking a step back to make less money and do this and then go bang your head against the wall every day because you're working for a startup company that doesn't have the capital, doesn't have the brand, is still developing the products. How are you going to answer those questions? Like, I, my assumption, and this is an assumption, again, you know, I'm, I'm inferring, I'm, I think I've got a good theory on how to handle these things, but, you know, take it for what it's worth. I think most people don't spend time practicing answering the most difficult questions that they're going to be asked because they're going to want to know why you're overqualified and you're taking a step back to do this. They want to know why you missed the first time. They want to know why you went down the first path that you were on and then now you're trying to, to switch and, and do something else. And they're going to have concerns that maybe that's going to happen again. 
hey, you've worked three different jobs and now you want to work in medical sales and you tell me you're committed forever and this is the career you want to do. Is that the same thing you said to your last three employers? Because my assumption is that you're going to start with us and two years down the road, you're going to switch to doing something else. <laughs> How are you going to answer that question? You know, like I don't think people think through, maybe not, maybe I shouldn't say it that way. My recommendation is think about the most difficult things that somebody could ask you and figure out what your answer is going to be for them. Because those are what's going to separate you. Here, here, let me, in my experience, your resume only matters as much as its ability to get you an interview when you haven't actually gone and got that interview yourself. So what I mean by that is when you're posting to a job board or you are sending your resume to a recruiter or something like that, and you're just, you're throwing your resume into a pile with a bunch of other people, your resume being good is only as good as its ability to get you an interview. And I think, in my opinion, resumes are far overrated. And I think people spend way too much time on their resumes. You know, nobody hires a resume. You're not going to get hired because of your resume. Okay, that, that's not a thing. You get hired because, of your, because you're going to be great at the job or, or they think you're going to be great at the job. You know, the, I think the, um, one of the things that comes to mind for me is there's in Major League Baseball, one of the problems that many teams have run into is that in a lot of ways you get paid for what you have done in the past in baseball, right? So you get a player that has had, I don't know, two years and they went to the All-Star game two years in a row and now they're holding out for a big contract and then they get like a, a you know, a hundred million dollar contract and then they suck for the next six years, right? Like that's not uncommon at all. And it's a situation where the team said, okay, because you were good these last two years and we need to keep you around, we're now going to pay you. And then they're paying for essentially past performance and hoping that, that you're banking on future, future performance, but that's not guaranteed at all. And in sales, if, if you're somebody that's trying to get hired, you might have some past experience. You might have some past performance, but you're getting hired when you're, when you're starting in the industry. You're getting hired on future potential. They're looking at you and saying, okay, yeah, you may have done this in the past, but that ultimately doesn't really matter. What matters is when you show up for work day one and day two and day three, what are you going to do then? One year down the road, what is that going to look like for me? Are you actually going to be producing? Are you going to be converting customers? So, you know, the I think in the resume space, I'm not high on spending a lot of time on your resume. And it doesn't mean that you, you can't have a bad resume. You can't have a bad one. Because it's a situation where it will not give you access. So it can hurt you, but it's not really going to help you. Like, you're never going to get a job because your resume looks good. But you might not get a meeting or you might not get the first in-person interview because your resume looks bad. So it, it can't be crap, but it can't, like, don't spend too much time thinking about, oh, I should say this in my resume and then that's going to be the thing that, like, no, 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 no. As long as your resume doesn't suck, what what's going to matter for you getting a job is going to be how well you do when you're actually in the meeting, in the interview. And so that's, you know, I don't, I think people spend weight in my experience and in the conversations I've had with people, they 
I get asked way too often, hey, should I add this or not add this to my resume? How, how would I improve my resume so that I can get, uh, you know, get more looks? It's like, you know, I, I don't want to answer in a, you know, being a dick and, and like your resume doesn't matter, but that's more or less how I think about it. Like less time on your resume, more time on how you're going to answer the tough questions that you're going to get. And, and so I want to bounce back to, before we get too far off track, I want to bounce back to the, uh, to the interview process that I was in when I was having that phone, phone interview with my boss's boss. And like I said, the first, it was about an hour phone call. And so let's say the first 58 minutes went really well. They went really well. I mean, he was asking me tough questions like I've mentioned, but I think I did a pretty good job answering them and I was, I was prepared for the majority of them. That went really well. And then I found out afterward by my now boss that the last two minutes almost cost me this job. Okay. The last two minutes of the phone call almost cost me this job. And I had to work like hell to actually get the job. And so what happened was he expected me to close him harder at the end of the phone call. And he thought that I didn't close him hard enough. I didn't do a good enough job closing it with him at the end of the phone call. And I, I would tell you, you know, candidly, and I, I told them as well, I still had some question marks on the compensation model. There was some, I had, I didn't have clarity on exactly what that was going to look like. And so I was, I was concerned and I, I was not, I was bought into the company. I was bought into the people, but I was concerned about what the compensation was going to look like. And so I ultimately didn't close him the way that I would have if I was fully confident in that. And that almost cost me the job to the point where that conversation ended, you know, and he's like, yeah, yeah, sounds good. All right. Talk to you later. Right. Everything, everything ended positively. And so many, so many reps that I've talked with, they get to the end or I ask them about their interviews and they're like, yeah, I think it went well. They liked me. We had a good conversation. All this, everything seemed positive. Well, okay, everything seemed positive in my interview as well, except that two days later when I was on the phone with my now boss, he asked me, he's like, how do you think the interview went? And I'm like, well, I think it went pretty well. You know, what do you think? He's like, well, uh, my boss really liked you, but he's very concerned that you didn't close him hard enough. He's concerned that you're not going to be willing or able to go close the deals as a startup company. He's afraid you're not going to be able to ask for the business when you need to. That was the concern that this guy had. And we just had, so I did great for 58 minutes. And then at the very end, the last two minutes is when I was going to lose the opportunity. And so that's why, that's why I bring up the idea of thinking about your strengths and your weaknesses you might have a lot of strengths going for you. If you're an overqualified person, quote unquote, you might have a lot of strengths, meaning that you've got sales experience. Okay, that could be a strength. You've got medical background. Okay, that could be a strength. If you're only focusing on your strengths, it could be the one weakness out of, you know, you might have 99 strength. You might have 99 strengths and one weakness. And that one weakness, for whatever reason, right, wrong, or indifferent, that is the thing that costs you the opportunity. And chances are you have more than one weakness. Okay, that's just kind of an extreme example. 
but it i think i'm i think this phone call in in my interview process is a very good example for if you are not on top of your game at all times they're going to find your weaknesses and it's the weaknesses that are going to kill you in the deal it's the weaknesses that you have that you are not overtly addressing and giving them confidence that they should not be as concerned about them as they are, that's what's going to cost you the jobs. I had to go back to my boss's boss after that phone call, after I realized that his fundamental concern is that I didn't close him hard enough. And I said, hey, look, I sent, I sent him a follow-up email. And I said, you know, I'll leave his name out of this. I said, hey, I understand that you were concerned that I didn't close you hard enough. I said, I've, I had a couple of questions about the compensation that I got ironed out. I said, I'm all in for this job. And I assure you, out of all the weaknesses, out of, or out of any of the weaknesses that I have in sales, the ability and willingness to ask for the business is not one of them. I said, I'm your guy in Chicago. And that's how I went back to him. And his response was, are you sure about that? Because we can't have somebody there that's not willing to ask for it when it's, when it's appropriate. We have to ask for the business. We need somebody that's going to have the stones to do that. And I said, yes, I am that guy. I'm your guy in Chicago. That is not a weakness of mine. I am willing to ask for the business. And I had to go back to him on my own accord, on my own merit, and say, look, I, you know, for whatever reason, you were concerned that I didn't close you hard enough. I assure you, that's not one of the weaknesses that I have. Out of all the things I may not be good at, I'm not afraid to ask for the business. Okay. I had to go back to him and convince him that that was not the fundamental. He could ask me, why the hell do you want to do this job? Why do you want to go bang your head against the wall? Why are you willing to take less money to try this? Why do you, <laughs> why, why don't you go work for the biggest competitor? Why don't you go work for the market leader, work less hours, make more money, have more time with your family. Why would you do why wouldn't you do that instead of come do this? It doesn't make any sense to me. I can answer all of those questions very well. But it's the one thing at the end of the phone call that kills it for me, right? Or almost killed it for me. Because I wasn't fully on my game and or you know I didn't handle it the way that they wanted me to handle it. And so when you are thinking about well if I'm overqualified or potentially overqualified, like stop just focusing on your strengths saying, well, I've got experience. I've got knowledge. I've got this. I've got that. That can be an upside. Yes. But the downside of it is that you can end up focusing all your time on that. Just like my brother, he would only focus on shooting three pointers. He never developed the other side of his game. And for you, you've got to figure out how do I answer those tough questions that I'm going to inevitably get? Because believe me, you can have all the strengths in the world, but this interview for me is a perfect example of it's the weakness. It's one weakness that you may have that you haven't addressed that's going to cost you. And if you're not prepared for that, if you're not thinking about it, if you're not trying to have, I think the mindset that you should have is if I just eliminate, if I just handle all of the weaknesses, if I just handle all of the objections then they're going to hire me regardless. I don't need to spend as much time focusing on my strengths as it is I need to spend more time focusing on how do I handle my weaknesses or how do I handle 
the objections that are going to come my way? How do I handle the fact that I'm going to have to tell him that, yes, you can count on me and that I'm not lying to you when I say, yeah, I'm willing to take less money, go backward in my career to do this, right? Like those are the tough questions that you're going to have to answer. So, um, that was kind of a long-winded way to start this, uh, but there's a couple other things that I wanted to touch on as well, um, and and some of them might be a little bit kind of smaller points, but I think they're still relevant, and they're it's what comes to mind for me, for for people that are overqualified. Um, you know, first and foremost, just kind of get this out of the way quick, quickly as well. So many, I don't know. For some reason, I always use the term "so many," and that's I don't know that I can say that because I don't know if it's so many. In many scenarios that I have seen, and what I would assume happens a lot is people that are in the interview process say, I would be a great fit for this. Say, I would be great at this job. See, I have, I have sales experience and I worked in medicine. I would be great at medical sales. I am the guy for you. Here, I would caution you a little bit on that because you actually don't know if you'd be great at this job. See, I think one of, the, one of the things that can also happen is if you come in overly confident, you need to come in confident, but you can't come in overly confident into these interviews. You can't come in saying, I'm going to be the best freaking rep you've ever had, and I know it. I would be on the other, if I'm the one interviewing you, I would be on the other end saying, how the hell do you know that? You've never done this before. Well, because I did this and I did that, da, 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 and I would be like, I'm not going to hire this guy because they're overly confident. They're not, they're not living in reality. Okay. I need you to be confident. I need you to say, I think that I could be good at this job because of this. Here's the reasons why. Here's why I think that I would be a good fit, but I think it's your job as you know, you talking about talking to the interviewer. I think it's your job to determine if I would be the right fit, but I do think I would be great at it because of this, this, and this. I don't think you want to walk in saying, I would be great at this job. I'm going to be the best rep you've ever had. You can't come in overconfident. You need to be confident. You need to say, yeah, I think I am good at this. I know these things. I've had experience doing this. That's, that's a positive, but you can certainly take it way too far to the other side of being overly confident where it certainly comes off as you're not living in reality. You haven't really understood how you got to this point. And if I hire you and you're overly confident and you're going to walk into the OR and think that you're just going to kill it on day one, what happens when you hit adversity? If somebody is overly confident, that comes off as insecure. And so if I were hiring somebody and they came off as overly confident to me, my fundamental concern would be what happens when they face adversity? Yeah, you might have actually been very successful in your last career, in your current sales job. You might be killing it in sales in some other company. You might be killing it in car sales. That does not automatically mean that you're going to be great at what we do. And so be confident. I mean, talk about the successes you've had. Talk about the knowledge and the experience. That's good. But if you come off overly confident, my concern is going to be, what happens when you hit adversity? What happens when you don't get the deal? What happens when you call on 10 doctors and all of them say, I'm not going to use you. I'm going to use my current vendor. What happens then? Because the person that is overly confident probably is not living in reality. So that's, it may be a minor thing, but I wanted to throw that in before I kind of forgot about it because it, it comes to mind as, as a big thing that I think 
you've got to balance confidence with overconfidence. And you do not want to error. You don't want to go too far on the side of overconfident saying, you know, I've never done this before. I'm interviewing for my first medical sales job. And then you walk and you say, I'm going to be great at this. I'm going to be the best rep you've ever had. Like, hmm. If you haven't done it, you need to be confident in your skills, but you also have to have the humility of, I haven't done this before. I want to be the best rep and I'm willing to work to figure out how to be the best rep, but I understand there's variables out there. I haven't done it before. You're right. You're right that I'm new. You're right that it may not be that every experience that I've had thus far is going to translate. You're right. But here's why I think this is still going to work out. You know, I think that's how you should handle those situations. And then one of the last things that I want to touch on uh, before I end this podcast that I think is relevant for people that are potentially overqualified, this could probably apply to any, any young sales rep or any person that's trying to get hired in sales, is in my experience, every time I get on the phone with somebody or every time I have a, an, an online exchange, whether it's email or direct message with somebody, And they're like, yeah, I've had some interviews, but, you know, I haven't been able to get the job or for whatever reason, they haven't hired you or you haven't been moved forward in the interview process. Virtually every time I ask them about it, I ask, well, what are the what are the things that they say you're missing? What are the skill sets that they say you don't have? What are the things that they're looking for that they say you don't fit? Where are you missing those things? And when I ask those questions, for whatever reason, and I think, I mean, I think I have a, I think I understand the reason at some level. Nobody wants to ask those questions in the interview. When you're actually sitting in the interview, you have to be willing to ask those tough questions. See, I, I think, I think there's a couple of reasons for it. Number one, I think people think that bringing up the reasons why they wouldn't get hired or why the person that they're interviewing with wouldn't hire them is going to hurt their chances of getting hired. And it seems intuitive that that would be the case, but I think it's counterintuitive that it's actually not the case at all. The reason why you want to ask those questions when you're in the interview process is because you actually need to understand and know why they would or would not hire you. And you need to know what your skill sets are or are not that they're looking for. You know, this, uh, one of the people that I've interacted with recently, I was, I was on the phone with, um, I asked them, you know, well, in the interview process, what did they say you didn't have the skill sets for? Or what did they say that you were missing? Why did they say they weren't going to go with you? They're like, well, I don't know. I sent them a follow-up email and I asked them those questions, but I haven't heard back. That's, that's almost always the answer. And that's because you have to ask those questions in real time when you're in front of the customer. And the customer for you is going to be the person that's interviewing you. You have to be willing and able to ask them so how do I fit compared to the other people that you've interviewed? So out of everything that you've seen from me and in our conversation today, what are the things that are most positive to you when you look at me and my skill sets? And what are the things that are most negative? Out of our conversation today, what are the things that are holding you up from hiring somebody like me? Obviously, I have to have some weaknesses somewhere. There's got to be something that you're thinking that like maybe this person doesn't have this skill set or doesn't have the right this, that, or anything else. What are the things for you as to why I would not be the perfect fit for this job? You have to ask those questions in real time when you're in front of the interviewer. That's going to give you a chance to answer them, number one. 
Okay, so in, in real time, it's going to give you a chance to answer them. They may say, well, I think you, <laughs> it could, it could, let me paint a, an example for you of how this could go to hopefully make it a little bit more clear. It could be a situation where you thought that your sales experience was a strength. So it could be that you're like, you know, I've got sales experience. I've been doing car sales for the last six years. I've been a top performer and I've done this and I've done that. You might have said that in the interview. And you might think that that's a strength. And you might just assume that the other person on the end of the line thinks that's also a strength. But you could ask them the question of, well, what are the things that are concerning you about me? What are the skill sets you feel like I don't have that you're looking for? What are the things that are holding you back from hiring somebody like me? They might say, well, you do have sales experience, but I don't think your sales experience is going to translate into what we do. Like, believe me, you want that to come out in the interview. Fundamentally, number one, because you can now answer it. You can say, look, I understand. Car sales is not medical sales. I fully get it. And I haven't done medical sales, so I can't answer with full certainty. But here's why I think that what I have done will translate. Or here's how the skill sets that I've developed over the last handful of years will translate. Or here's da-da-da right? Go into your pitch on why you think that they, that it would work, that it would be transferable, but it gives you a chance to answer it in real time. Like if you don't answer it in real time, that is the thing that is going to stop you. That is the thing that you're, is going to be the reason why you don't get interviewed or you don't move forward in the interview process, why you don't get the job. Just like in the phone call that I had, not 58 minutes of it were perfect. The last two minutes when I didn't close him hard enough because I had uncertainty, that was what's going to, was going to kill me. And in the same way with you, you have to figure out what are the things that are going to kill you and then just try to avoid the things that are going to kill you. Well, I don't think your sales experience is going to translate into what we do. Well, uh, who knows? Who knows what it could be, but you have to ask that number one. So that's number one. You can answer it real time. But number two, you may interview with five different companies. They're all like, at some level, they're all going to see the same things. If you're interviewing with five different medical device companies or, you know, pick whatever, whatever number you want. The reason why you want to ask those questions in real time is that even if this, this one job that you're interviewing for, you don't get this one job, but you ask those questions, you're going to find out the answers or the, the, the real objections, why somebody wouldn't hire you. And you can address those in the next interviews. If they say, hey, I don't think you have the skill sets that we're looking for. Okay. If you don't mind me asking, what are those skill sets? And then figure them out. Figure out the weaknesses so that the next interview you go into, you've either addressed those weaknesses, number one, or number two, you have answers as to why they exist and why they're not going to be a problem. So you have to, you have to address those things in real time. But, and I... I you can't do it after the fact. Nobody's going to answer your email after the fact. If they've interviewed you and they've they've already made their decision, I'm not going to hire this person, and you email them, hey, I didn't get a call back. I was just wondering, what are the reasons why you wouldn't hire me? You're not going to get it. You're not going to get a response. That's not going to happen. You have to ask when you're in front of them. That's the only time you're going to get those answers. So, I think that's. I think that'll be good for this for this episode for now. I hope that's helpful. Uh, fundamentally out of everything that I've blabbed about for the last 30 minutes, 
the most important things, and hopefully, hopefully you got that from this podcast episode, the most important things that you can focus on are identifying what are the weaknesses that you are bringing to the table? What are the problem areas that could potentially arise when you're in the interview process? What are, what is the worst case scenario? What are the toughest questions that this person could ask me? What are all the reasons why they wouldn't hire me? You have to be able to think about those preemptively. You have to be able to think about those before you go into the interview process and say, what are the reasons why they wouldn't interview me? Write the, like physically write the questions down, put them in your phone, write them down by hand. I don't care. I usually do it in my phone, but I'll literally write out every reason why somebody wouldn't hire me. Like in this last interview that I had, that I shared with you, like I assure you, and I could show you the notes of me writing down all the reasons why a startup medical device company would not want to hire me. Like I spent just, just to kind of give you, give you a a flavor for it. I probably spent 25% of my time figuring out my answers for why I would be a good fit. And 75% of my time figuring out how to address the reasons why I would not be somebody they want to hire. Hopefully that gives you some clarity and some understanding of, of the, of at least how I think about breaking out my time. Look, in the interview process, you're going to get questions that you're not prepared for. You're going to get things that you haven't addressed, things you haven't thought about. They're going to ask you a question that you didn't think of. If they ask you a question that you didn't think of ahead of time, but it fits in with, but it's a question where you could answer why you think you would be the right fit, that's going to be easy. You don't need to spend a lot of time figuring out how you're going to answer why you think you would be a great fit. Those, those are going to come natural and you're going to be able to answer those in real time without, without any issues. The problem areas are going to be where they ask you a question that you were not prepared for. That's an objection as to why you wouldn't be a good fit. And if you haven't figured out how you're going to answer that, you're going to stumble through the answer. And that is going to be the moment that the person's like, Nope, not hiring this person. Not going to happen. So, spend the majority of your time preemptively thinking about like literally writing out what are the reasons why they wouldn't hire me and then figure out, all right, how am I going to answer that and talk it out, talk it out 15, 20 times, figure out what your response is really going to be. Your, your chances of getting a job when you're overqualified are going to be significantly higher if you have figured out how to handle all of the objections that are inevitably going to come your way. So, um, I hope that's helpful and, uh, yeah, thank you guys for listening to this episode. We'll see you on the next one. Bye. Thank you for listening to this episode of the medical sales certification podcast. If you thought that this podcast was helpful for you, consider subscribing to this channel and leaving us a review. And if you're interested in learning more about the medical sales training programs that we provide, you can check us out online at medicalsalescertificationprogram.com. Thanks again, and we will see you on the next episode.